Welcome to Christchurch Chislehurst Podcast. In this podcast, Kath takes as her text Mark 6, 1-7 and talks about being on a journey. And she summarises the five priorities that we've been talking about in the previous week's sermons. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 6 and verses 1 to 7. Just then we're going to be thinking about our journeys and then thinking a little bit about a summary from the last few weeks of the Jesus-shaped people. Um, And then thinking, just to draw everything together at the end, just a prayer that we'll probably either do on our own or if you want to, with somebody else, and then read a prayer about, a, about journeying, and then we'll sing our last song. So the um, reading is from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, and it's called A Prophet Without Honour. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him that he does even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown among his relatives and in his home house is a prophet without honour. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hand on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. And then Jesus went round teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. So we um, have been thinking about journeys in our groups and uh, I'm sure that many of us have been enjoying seeing family and friends as the lockdown has eased. I think that's probably been one of the hardest things, not being able to travel and see people that we so value being with. And I'm sure that as we've travelled and we've um, seen people, often one of the first things that we might say to somebody is, how has your journey been? It's kind of a normal thing to say, isn't it? How are you and how was your journey? And I think having a smooth and uneventful journey is often a bonus. Um, Sometimes getting up old here, as I said earlier, is often a challenge in itself before you've even hit the M25. And uh, journeys can often be stressful, can't they? If there's bad traffic, um, we were on our way down to Rochester yesterday and we kind of heard that there was one problem and then we took another diversion around the back roads and the road was closed. And you know we're just thinking, we've got to be there, we've got to be there. It's stressful, isn't it? If some, there, are, there are barriers, um, obstacles on the way. It might be a delayed flight, if you can remember the days of flying. I know Marilyn Paul, you've just come back, have you, from, yeah... 
not in, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and also maybe the car breaks down or there's an accident. Um, or maybe even just getting ready with children, and obviously that's a dim and distant uh, memory for us. Um, it is no mean feat, but we have recently looked after our grandson, and you just forget how much you need to take for nappies and dummies and food and everything else in between. And I'm sure there's parents out there just thinking, yeah, it is no mean feat getting ready with children. And um, I've recalled a few stories. You know you have those kind of awful travel stories over the years. I don't know if you've probably... Well, there were about three I could think of. Um, and when we were going out many, many years ago, we went to France for the day. Goodness, they were the days when we were kind of... just went over on a ferry and um, we're in our early 20s. And we were sitting on a beach in Boulogne. I don't even think we were engaged. I can't really remember, but... Um, and Dave was looking at my passport, you know, sort of thing you do when you're going up. Oh, look at your picture. And, um, and then he said, did you know that this was out of date? And um, so we were sort of sat on this French beach. How I, we actually got to France, I do not know. They probably weren't very, you know, just let you through. Thankfully, we managed to get out of the country <laughs> with this out-of-date passport. It's one of those things that you kind of think, oh, is my passport in date? But actually, we were actually there. So thankfully, we got out unscathed. And uh, we went to Venice. I don't know if you've ever been to Venice a few years ago, which was amazing. And we were travelling on the waterways and the water taxis. And I think we were trying to get to our hotel. And it is quite an experience, an amazing experience, but trying to navigate the waterways of Venice. And um, I think we were on a water taxi, and Dave said, he said, where's my rucksack? I said, I don't know. Um, and it had all the passports in it and all the travel documents and... And um, he left it at the water taxi stop, like, in the last thing. And it was one of those, thankfully being married to a marathon runner, I've never seen him run so fast. And I think we had visions of somebody picking up this left bag, you know, and taking it, you know, it was an unidentified bag with some terrible things inside. And it was still there, thank goodness. You know, we just think, oh, my word, that's got all of our precious things in it. So I'm sure some of you might have also had some experiences of that when you've lost something really precious on a journey. And I think one of the most bizarre endings um, of a journey, and we are really grateful that we were able to go to Tanzania nearly two years ago, which was phenomenal. And in fact, Kate, I think you gave us a little St. Christopher's pendant, was it, for our journey? It was lovely. Um, and we travelled across Africa from Tanzania, and uh, you probably remember some of the stories that we told about that journey. Um, you know, in jeeps across forest and uh, on a little plane across the Serengeti, you know, those journeys which were like, <gasps> skin of your teeth sort of job. And uh, I think we got back to Heathrow and it was a really lovely journey. So, oh, just get in the car in the car park and get back home, have a nice bath and just relax. And, you know, you get in the car and the blimmin' thing didn't start. And you just think, it was one of those things you just think, oh... And I think we had to, we kept saying, oh, it's first world problem, you know, just been to Africa, let's just be patient and wait. So, um, actually, we did, and then we did get home, thankfully, and our, uh, and our um, great RAC man came and helped us. So, over the last few weeks, we've been um, following a program created to called Jesus Shaped People, called Stay Alert to the Spirit. And this was specifically designed to help churches focus on... What, what is it that the Holy Spirit is saying to churches as we are in this post-lockdown season? What's God saying to the church and our community at this time? 
And I think our journey as a church and as individuals in the last year, um, many of it, you know, we haven't really known where we're going. Um, and I'm sure each of us have had to just take literally one day at a time. Because we've never been in this place before. And we often hear that and we, we can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm sure we've all got very fed up of the uncertainty and we've been fearful, we've felt lonely and wondering when this journey will ever end. I'm sure we were waiting the 21st of June and now it's like the 19th of July and I think I heard a minister saying from the 19th of July there'll be no more mask wearing. <laughs> you know, there will be some things we will be delighted to just think, oh, we can have some normality. And I'm sure we've all got those stories when we're feeling like really good, things are going really good, and I'm on top of the world, when our journey is smooth and grateful for all God has done, and it's really, you know, when we're on that sort of mountaintop and ready to take anything that's thrown at us. But I'm sure for many of us, as we've heard, when people have given their stories on the sofa or just the stories that people have been just telling each other, the reality is, is that life is full of ups and downs, isn't it? disappointment and just hard work thinking this is hard work when is this ever going to end when we have been on this journey of thinking about the jesus-shaped people and it, i'm just going to summarize some of the things now just to try if you've not been here or just to remind ourselves of some of the themes so we've been talking about people teaching team building prayer and prophetic challenge and each week we've looked at a passage in mark and so we began with John the Baptist in Mark 1. He came at the right time in the history of Israel to prepare the way of Jesus. It was like a Kairos moment, you might remember, a time, in a, a, a time in an appointed time in the purposes of God, as opposed to normal Kronos time. And throughout history, significant moments have marked a change in the world operates. And we can actually look back in the journey of the Gospels and, and the Bible and just thinking where God has led his people. And the pandemic is surely one of these moments when God has called us to rethink how we are a church in this generation and just talking to Zoe and thinking about what should church look like in the next generation and thinking about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to take the Gospel. And then we looked at the healing of a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years in Mark 5. She wasn't noticed in a large crowd and people would avoid her because of her condition. And we talked about who in our society today are people who aren't noticed or people we might want to avoid. And many of these people might be people who are the low paid in our society, maybe cleaners, nurses, drivers, different roles that maybe aren't always seen as kind of the important ones. And Jesus didn't see the crowds, he sees individuals. And how we as a church can also do the same. Mark 10, we looked at the story of the rich young man, you might remember, who kept the commandments. But when Jesus said, you need to give your wealth to the poor, it was a challenge and he walked away. And we've been thinking about how our priorities have been challenged and how many of us have had to examine what is important to us and how fragile our world's been, and how the air even has become cleaner, and how wildlife has actually been able to kind of thrive, because obviously there's been so much less in terms of you know travel and pollution and so on. 
So we've actually had to sort of consider our world and um, those kind of how we're looking after our world as well. And we talked a lot, think thought as well about how we do we spend our money and how do we care for the natural world. And then we looked at Mark 9 when the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest immediately after Jesus had told them that he would be arrested and tried and killed. We looked at Mark 14 when Jesus, we looked at the prayer of Jesus in Gethsemane when he was his most vulnerable. Jesus took on the sin and sadness and brokenness of the world and his soul was overwhelmed. And we were thinking about how can we feel that, that pain and the, the brokenness um, and, the, and how Jesus was feeling that for the broken world and how a challenge is for us to think about those in our broken world. And then last week, we looked at quite a difficult passage in Mark 13 where Jesus prophesied about the destruction of the temple and the coming troubles his followers would face and that they would need to be careful not to be deceived and that they would then be persecuted. But how the Holy Spirit would give us words to say, would give them words to say, and how we can also ask for the Holy Spirit because we were thinking about persecution that we might have in our own um, communities and lives, but especially about the persecution that many people are um, suffering in other parts of the world. And we got into groups, didn't we, and prayed for persecuted Christians across the world. So our passage today focuses on when Jesus returned to his hometown, Nazareth. Oh, do I need to... I think there might be a picture here. I'm not zapping you, William. I'm just trying to... Okay. Oh, really? What have I done wrong? There you go. This was... Um, we went to Nazareth when we went to Israel, so there's some more of my holiday pics, but it was quite nice to go to the hometown of Nazareth. And obviously there's lots of buildings and churches been built, but you can imagine it was a very, um, a little town near the Sea of Galilee and poor and insignificant where Jesus had grown up with his family, learning his trade as a, ca as a carpenter. So it wasn't a really particularly special place. Um, there's a little map so you can see where Nazareth is in relation to where the Sea of Galilee was. And you can imagine how often the disciples and Jesus just walked and journeyed throughout um, Israel, from Jerusalem to Nazareth to Galilee. They did a lot of walking, a lot of journeying. And so Jesus returned there with his disciples. You can almost imagine him excited to see his family and maybe catch up with them and um, imagine talking about the things that have been going on, chatting about the journey going and talking to his mom and saying, you know, how are you and how life is and talking to his brothers and talking about his ministry. And he began to teach in the local synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. But then there were also others asking, where did, who is this person? This was Jesus who used to grow up and actually questioning, well, where did he get the wisdom and power because they didn't recognise who he was because they used to think, well, it's Jesus, you know, it's only Jesus and refused to believe in him. And that must have been quite difficult for Jesus going back to his hometown and wonder how he felt um, going back and kind of not being accepted um, as he was trying to minister there. And he said, a prophet is honoured everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and in ho his own family. 
And I think often what we learn about Jesus is how so much was just countercultural to how we would expect things to be. And um, just thinking about our culture, which actually demands often qualifications and education and, and status and credentials. And often if you've got money or you've got a house or you've got certain things, actually puts you in a different bracket to maybe other people who haven't got the same. And uh, the people in Nazareth didn't see that Jesus' ministry was for them as well. And really just thinking about, regardless of who each of us are, it doesn't matter what qualifications or how much money you've got, you know, because we are all important to God and he's got a job for each one of us. And just thinking about how Jesus came and he, they didn't recognise him. And actually, but Jesus recognises each one of us just for who we are. We all matter to God. He's called each of us by name and he wants to come with us on our journey of faith. And uh, yesterday we were able to go to the cathedral for the farewell to Bishop James. Um, that's why it was a bit of a nightmare journey getting down there. And um, we were in, they were, we were all socially distanced and sitting there wearing masks. So it was a very powerful service for Bishop James, who's been in the diocese for 11 years and lots of, obviously, um, you know, um, chatting, different people giving him, uh, talking about all the things that he'd done in the community and different people giving, um, telling, saying what he'd uh, done in a different area in the diocese. And, um, but what was really powerful, because we couldn't see it all, we, in fact, I found it on my phone and then we were able to follow it because it's quite difficult to hear when you couldn't actually see the people. But then Bishop James and uh, the Dean and Bishop Simon and Bridget, uh, Bishop James' wife, came up to where we were in the choir bit um, towards, I don't know which, it was a part of the cathedral, it was one of the altars, and, um, and just being able to watch that last bit of the service. It was actually quite a powerful moment. Um, just going to read, so... Um, so Bishop James then handed the, 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 the crozier, the diocesan crozier to Bishop Simon and just that kind of handing over from being the diocesan bishop to the suffragan bishop as if to sort of say giving, taking away, uh, you know, that responsibility of bishop and, and then removing his mitre, which is the, I was say the hat thing he wears, if the just less technical language, and his cope. And then he did start, well, at one point we said, what else is he going to take off? Because we're about stripping all these different clothes off. And um, I can assure you, he stayed in his um, cassock, wasn't it? Um, and then the dean re uh, presented Bishop James with a, a pilgrim staff, which was a wooden, um, it was made from rosewood, which had come from the bishop's, uh, the, the cathedral cloister, um, and actually made by the head gardener. And I felt it was a very powerful moment as he gave over that responsibility and almost he was just he's just a normal person and I'm sure probably grateful for all the things that God has done in him but equally looking forward to a life of retirement without all the responsibilities and the challenges of being a bishop and just thinking yeah you're, you're a person called by God who's done a job like each of us have been called and um just that was a very powerful moment. And just the pilgrim staff always reminds me of that journey and leading the way. And he kind of then went out with this kind of beautiful rosewood staff. And um, 
love it or loathe it, uh, there's so much as well sport to watch at the moment, isn't there? And you can't fail to miss the excitement, trepidation maybe, where you uh, thinking last night, oh my goodness, how are England going to win this match? And then exhilaration when England beat Germany, and then last night, phenomenal last night's match as, as England um, beat Ukraine, and actually the, this kind of journey of, oh my goodness, um, maybe you watched the Andy Murray match four hours the other day, just seemed to go on and on, and um, maybe watching the Tour de France as some of the cyclists just came crashing down as a spectator got in the way. And each person participating in their sport will have to just press on. This, this is called pressing on today. And the highs and the lows and work hard to get where they are in their field. And I don't know if any of you listened to, there was a Radio 4 service this morning and it was thinking about the Olympics coming up um, and Trish Kandiar was preaching. Um, and I think it was Libby Lane, who is the Bishop of Sport, and really um, just listening to some of the testimonies of some of the athletes. But even when they've kind of hit their, the, the top in their sport or gone to the lows, they're just talking about how God has been with them and how their faith in God has been so important. And on that Christian journey, God has promised that he will be with us in our ups and our downs to help us step out in faith, to guide us into paths unknown. And to celebrate as well with us when our journey is smooth and we see God's providence in our lives. And I think we love listening to stories of each other and how we can listen to stories about how God has helped each one of us in times of adversity and uh, times of difficulty. And sometimes God does teach us things, doesn't he, on our journey when things are not going so well. And we can look back and you think, wow, even though I went through that difficult time, Wow, didn't I grow in my journey with Jesus? So I'm going to read um, Psalm 46 now. And just as a kind of a quiet prayer reflection, so what I'm going to suggest we do is, I think there's, oh, there's another slide. Can you move it on to the next slide? Or, oh, there we go. It's quite a... Um, a, a very well-known psalm. So I'm going to read this psalm. And there are some questions I'd just like us to just reflect on, so sort of time of our prayer time. And just thinking about what's encouraged us in the pandemic, or just what's encouraged us in, in our journey. Maybe what's inspired us, what's challenged us, and what is God calling me to next? And then just thinking on, just thinking about how do I want God to help me on my journey for the next phase? And what I might do is if, uh, if you would like to, when we think come to that bit, maybe if you felt what you wanted to talk to somebody next to you and say, this is what I'd like help for, you can discuss it or pray, or if you just want to do that on your own, that is perfectly okay. And if you just want to pray quietly, we'll give some space. And then I'm going to read um, a prayer called The Road Ahead, and then Joe's going to play quietly, and then we'll sing our last song. So Psalm 46. 
God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the fields with fire, burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So let's just pr- just think, just come before God and just say, think before God, say, what has encouraged you in the last year, maybe in the last week? What has or who has? And just bring that to God and say thank you. What's inspired us? Bring that to God and say, Thank you. What has challenged us? Bring that to God and say, thank you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for helping me. Or maybe you're thinking, I couldn't pray about it. It's too difficult. It's too challenging. What is God calling me to next? And then pressing on, thinking about how do I want God to help me on my journey for the next phase? If you'd like to talk to somebody next to you or pray somebody nearby just pray quietly that's perfectly okay how do i want god to help me on my journey for the next phase The Road Ahead by Thomas Merton. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. 
nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem in the shadow of death? I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone.